Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. (laughs) Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks. Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. Hello, Rank Squad, and welcome to Ranks FC. It's a bonus edition of your favourite football podcast, talking all things MLS ahead of the season beginning later this week. My name is Jack Collins, and I'll be your host there. And I'm joined by Ranks FC's chief MLS correspondent, our lead writer in so many ways, Mr. Owen Murray, live from the West Coast. How you doing, mate? Oh, it's nice and early, bro. It's all good, though. We're having a good time. MLS is coming back next week, this weekend. It's going to be fantastic. I'm very excited. Sun's going down for me. Sun's coming up for you. This is the uh, yeah. this is the eight hour time difference. I'm going to have to learn how to navigate with Dean. So we're uh, thinking about it as a go. trial run in, in in many ways. It's great to have you back on, mate. And I'm really excited about the start of this MLS season. Now, I know it's something close to your heart. <laughs> Listeners will know it's something close to my heart as well as, as an MLS writer. So it's a really interesting campaign that's coming upon us. I wanted to work through a variety of, of different bits today. We'll have a look at who had the best off-season, some of the teams that have had very, very stagnant off-seasons as well, the outlook ahead of the season, a couple of the best new signings, and of course, the kits as well, something that's been all over the news the last couple of days. So we'll start off with the best off-season. Let's start high, and then we'll work our way through low. Who's impressed you over the course of the quiet winter period, my friend? <laughs> And it's very one of the teams that's really excited me, and it's really because they made one big move is FC Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know they had, they had a great year last year. Their growth has been really impressive throughout their time in the league. They started at the bottom, um, but they had a Sporter Shield winning campaign, and then went out and got men's national team starter on his day, Miles Robinson. Um, 
and added him to this defense that is just going to be very impressive. And if they can, you know, continue to keep it together mostly in the way that they have, I think that's going to be a very strong team again in what's looking to be a stronger Eastern Conference here. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one because obviously Jason Mascara headed back to Wolves for a a period. He's gone out on loan again now, but he had an incredible campaign. And I think that the growth that Premier League fans or Wolves fans would have been looking for was on full display. He started off a little bit shaky by the end of the campaign. He was pretty rock solid. Robinson's a different kind of mold of defender, I think, in in, in many ways. And yet, in this system with the three at the back, and he's not going to have to play that central role very often, we don't think, it will allow him to step out and do what I think he does best, which is get into those one-on-one situations with attackers kind of bearing down on him and making those tackles because there are a few better, I think, one-on-one centre-backs in the well, in the entirety of the league, to be honest. Of course. And, you know, like the one kind of way you could get at FC Cincinnati is when they push their wingbacks forward last year and then you can try to get at the back three and Miazga was out for a little bit. But if, if you have at least one of those two back, I would feel confident that they're going to be really, really solid once again. And then, you know, also in Ohio is Columbus, who just, you know, just came off winning MLS Cup and they've really only gotten better. They've just added a ton of pieces, really in-league experience that I think is just going to not only keep them strong, again, in the East, but they're going to have a very, very nice brand of football. Wilford Nancy obviously is going to stay. He's been, you know, probably the most important piece of this. I'm very excited to see how Aiden Morris does with another year uh, in this system. And, you know, even after losing Lucas Zelleran, they've proven that you can go on and continue to play very, very well in a league while playing nice soccer. Yeah, I mean, I love Nancy. And I think, you know, the crew winning it all last season felt like a a real kind of display of whilst on the, you know, in, in Miami and the whole thing going on and all of the star power and the star names and quietly Columbus as a unit went through the motions and got better and better through the course of the season, got stronger and stronger as they played themselves into playoff contention by the end of it you know ahead of MLS Cup you're looking at going well who's going to be able to deal with what the crew can bring in attack and who is going to be able to deal with this Nancy style of play and ultimately the answer was nobody could and that's why we got to where we got to at the end of last season but I do think it's interesting how they keep that going and what that looks like over the course of the full regular season because it's one thing obviously winning MLS Cup and, and that's the you know the top draw the top dog But there's also another thing of being like, okay, can you do that now over the course of the full domestic season? Can you go and win the, you know, the the Supporters Shield and MLS Cup double? And if anyone feels like they're in a place to go on and and grow that, look, the only major departure is is Julian Gressel, who's obviously gone off to Miami on a free transfer. But what that opens up for other players coming through and what that opens up in that we saw that Nancy didn't necessarily, trust might be the wrong word, but go for that Gressel ability to cross the ball in ahead of other players who fitted more into the keeping the ball, keeping that pressure on, keeping your foot on the throat kind of system. Uh, yeah, Julian Gressel is honestly one of my favorite players out there just because he can do so much. Yeah. But even even in that system, it, they didn't need him to do so much. They needed him to do, you know, they didn't be that player and it didn't quite end up fitting like that. And, you know, he could obviously do great things in Miami when he's across the ball to whoever they've got up there. But I, I think it's a very strong sign that they know what they're doing, that they're willing to get rid of him. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know there's one more mover who's intrigued you, and it's someone who, well, was in wooden spoon contention for the majority of last <laughs> season. 
Yeah, and you know, it's a team from the Western Conference, which we've said is probably going to be weaker once again. It's the Colorado Rapids who've just had maybe the best offseason out of all of them. They picked up, I'm just looking through their list right now, some some great pieces that I really believe are going to just push them up those standings well. They've picked up Zach Steffen off Man City. Yeah. Obviously, he's been sitting there for a little while, but he is, you know, I mean, more than a very good MLS goalkeeper. He'll be in contention for the Golden Glove. They, they picked up Sam Vines, who came out of their academy. Um, he'll be a very solid op- option at left back. And then one of my favorite players, Georgia Mihailovic, mm-hmm. uh, former FC Dallas player, kind of went over to AZ Akumar, didn't quite you know, work out there, but he's, he's come back here and he had some injury issues in the league when he was you know Montreal a little bit, but he's still looking very good. And I think he could be a, a solid piece there for him. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone's going to doubt Mihailovic's quality. And it's a shame, really, that that RZ stent didn't really work because I thought he felt like a player that would be able to make that transition to European football. And the Eredivisie, to be honest, felt like a, a nice place for him to land. But RZ are having a bit of a weird campaign, turning things around after losing a couple of really key port- pieces last year. And I think it just felt like too much reinvention was going to not suit them very well. And look, they're doing fine in terms of how they're managing to get out of that. But I think you can you can understand why he wasn't maybe given the opportunities that maybe he deserved. Oh, sure. He hasn't been hugely excited by the sounds of it about coming back to the Rapids of all places. But once he does get going, and as you say, with a couple of other really interesting additions as well, Luffelsend, I think, is just someone who you're like, okay, where's he going to play? We've seen him play in defence before. They announced him as a midfielder, which I thought was slightly strange. Um, but yeah. if he is going to be, you know, part of this midfield reinvention, which it felt like they needed, you know, we, we speak about the Rapids and the one real bright light in their campaign last year was was Jack Price, who kind of played as that deep line quarterback kind of role, was able to to create most of their chances, and then got Absolutely. injured and completely the, the team completely fell apart in his absence. So it felt like something had to be change there it does feel like this midfield reinvention added to the you know Zach Steffen edition which I think you're right but also Chris Armas coming in as head coach it's now like oh what do the Rapids look like and I, I think you're probably right in that they might not end up in contention this year but I think in terms of where they were last year to where they might well be now could be the biggest gap of anybody in the entire league yeah, I mean, the one thing I'm worried about with them is they they're they're, they're number nine slot because they don't they have, they have three 19 year olds and a, and a 23 year old, mm. and that was really a spot that was tough for them last year. I would have loved to see them go out and get a guy in the league who just he they can have him up there if these guys lights are too bright. They've had Kai Kamara in the past, somebody like that who they they're happy just slotting in for a little bit. But I'm I'm very interested to see how it works out there. Yeah, I mean, look, anyone worth their salt with Mihailovic, if he does start to to turn it up again, has the potential to to go and score a lot of goals because I don't think there's many better creators across the course of MLS in general. So we're we're talking about some some interesting players. I would maybe add Atlanta to this list because it's been an interesting offseason. Now we talked about you know losing Miles Robinson, but I think in some ways the best thing Atlanta needed to do was try and keep hold of the two big guns, obviously Thiago Amada might leave in the summer. I mean, we might leave now. The, the window's open till April. But for now, it does look like he's sticking around in the five stripes. And Giacomacchius as well. It feels like if they can keep those two healthy, and it's a big if, 
with Yakamakis because he has got injury concerns, which is why things haven't always gone to plan, you know, wherever he's gone across his co- the course of his career. But I do think that adding Dax McCarthy to just add a little bit of balance to the midfield, because it felt like Atlanta last year, I think, had the capacity to almost beat anybody on their day, but also had the capacity to beat themselves semi-regularly yep. in terms of losing control of games, throwing away leads, and just maybe not having that veteran presence to calm things down. And although, obviously, Makai is, what, 37 now? He's a pre-Beckham you know, rem- remnant of MLS in, in so many ways. But you're kind of looking at him and going, okay, if someone's going to be, one, a huge facet in the dressing room in terms of just making sure that everyone's on the same page, and two, someone who can come on you know, in games or, or start certain games to be able to just keep everybody's composure and actually be that general in the midfield, Atlanta have enough talent to challenge at any given point. It's just a case of trying to bring it all together. And I think McCarty's a very, very smart addition from the Five Stripes. No, absolutely. And I think it's going to be like, that's the kind of player we're talking about where, you know, he's not going to start every game, but in that locker room, especially with a team that, you know, they they had great start in the league. It's been a little bit rougher. This is maybe a make or break season for Gonzalo Pineda. Yeah, you know he'll be okay, and he's able to keep that dressing room level head. And I think that's a very smart move from Garth, uh, who was the general manager up here in Seattle um, for a long time. He you know very shrewd guy, and he is he knows how to make those moves, man. Yeah, I mean, it feels like the veteran presence is exactly what Atlanta needed. But from yeah. some good off seasons. To some bad ones, Owen. Who's stagnated and therefore potentially has the well, the issue of maybe falling away from where they were last season? And this is this is not as like as they've made more moves than I thought they have, but I'm I'm very very concerned about Austin. Um, just because the, their pickups, just very briefly, and the notable ones they picked up a couple center backs, Matt Hedges and Brandon Craig. Matt Hedges is a league veteran. Craig is 19 from Philadelphia on loan. Diego Rubio out of Colorado, that's that forward that they lost. He's 30. Um, a couple defenders, Memo Rodriguez off Los Angeles. They've picked up players, Jader Obreon, who didn't quite work out at their former teams. They're really betting on them playing well, but what they're very much betting on is uh, Sebastian Gerussi returning to pre-last year form. They really, they, they, they rode his, you know, MVP level campaign to a very strong showing Western Conference Final two years ago, and then he wasn't quite the same because, of course, he wasn't. But they didn't prepare for that, and I don't think that they've quite prepared for it again this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I think that I'm intrigued by what Rodolfo Burrell does there, and obviously part of the City Football Group for a long time, part of Pep Guardiola's kind of wider group for a long period of time as well. He has the nows, I suppose, to turn things around, and if he's given time... I think that his vision might be something that they can get behind in a couple of years, but I think this year might be tough. Yeah, and I'm just worried. I mean, because they, you know, they are a Western Conference team, but and they have again that ability to kind of rise up very quickly. But there, there's a lot of tough games they're gonna have to go play, especially coming out of Texas. And they've got a they've got a great home environment. They ha- but they haven't been able to make it count. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anyone else in the in the worried about pile? We're, I, I'm always worried about Toronto, man, because I, I felt that <laughs> you know, bo- regardless it can't get much of, worse from rock bottom, can it? Regardless of what they did this year, it was going to be tough to kind of rise up off the bottom of that pile. 
Um, but, you know, looking at the teams above them in the Eastern Conference, they finished rock bottom. You know, like you mentioned, won four games. But Miami, you know, should, obviously. Chicago have made some great moves. NYCFC, I, I feel confident in... Uh, not confident, you know, but I feel confident in those teams that uh, were also under the playoff line that they're going to rise so much more than Toronto has. And I really... It's a shame how much they've stagnated since you know, 2016, 2017, when they were the class of the league. And, yeah. you know, with Giovinco and Altador, it, it, you just seen them fall away and they haven't made the moves that they've needed to. Guys like Iowa Canola didn't work out. Um, and they're just kind of clutching at straws and they lost a really strong veteran presence in Matt Hedges to Austin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. It does feel like everyone else has moved out one way or another, right? Even teams like Charlotte, who have, you know, struggled in the last couple of years, I think bringing in Dean Smith is quite a sensible maneuver, especially with some of the names that were linked to that job. Actually going for someone who has coached teams to become better. You look at his Walsall side, you look at his Brentford side in the championship. You look at even Aston Villa, which it felt like a a new lease of life at that point. I think that the pieces are in place and there is a Brentford connection at Charlotte as well, which is is an interesting one just to watch in terms of that link to maybe the, the Scandinavian base. I think that just having someone of Smith's caliber, I mean, obviously it's going to be a question of whether he can adapt or not, but I think having someone of Smith's caliber should allow Charlotte to just kick on a tad more than they have done. And that's not huge, you know, the bar's quite low because Charlotte haven't been great, but I do think that that feels like a more cohesive setup and you add it to the the new background with, with all of the training center put up and it just feels like Charlotte are on a slow, steady path upwards. Yes. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think that they're on that path. It, I mean, it's it could be, you know, I mean, the, the model for that path is the FC Cincinnati path. It, it was a rough couple of years in the league, but they were really able to find their feet, trust a head coach. And, and put the, the backroom staff in, right, as well, which I think is important because since you've been ahead of the curve on that for some time, I wouldn't be surprised if Charlotte start to find themselves on the upper echelons of that curve as well soon. For sure. All right, let's go to an outlook, shall we? The the contenders, who's going to be, you know, we've spoken about the fact that the West feels weaker than the East again. I don't think it was going to be, it, it would have never been, it would have taken something quite remarkable to turn that around, especially given that some of the teams who did fall behind that playoff line in the East are the likes of Inter Miami, who might not be the team to be here. And I actually probably don't think they are, but obviously they're going to attract a lot of the attention and Eventually, when you put this many good players in the team, they are going to hurt people across the course of a season. It just feels like there hasn't been enough movement to to shift the balance. In fact, it's probably got worse. No, absolutely not. And you know, they'll be the ever-present contenders in the Western Conference. You got, you know, your LAFC, your Seattle, those teams, but they'll be very, very dependent on a couple of players. Seattle just, you know, has a new number ten. Pedro de la Vega, who, you know, he didn't play a ton during their preseason. It remains to be seen kind of what role he'll take on because on those wings for Seattle, there are two, you know, players who really looked great last season. You got Christian Roldan, who, you know, he had he had a couple concussions, but it, when he's in that spot, he's one of the most valuable players in this yeah. team. And then your breakout Brazilian winger on the left, Leo Chu. And, you know, at this point, Christian started as you know a, a midfielder, but they've got a very, very strong set in the middle there. And it, it's looking tougher and tougher to move him back in and keeping him on the right might be the move. Um, but then you're looking at dropping Leo Chu, who's been he was last year's breakout star for the Sounders. And so I enjoy how do you do him. that? He's, he is a dribbly boy. He's fantastic. He's 
he's such a great kid to interview too. Like he's he speaks four languages. He's 22. He's having a he's having a killer time in Seattle. It looks like he maybe was gonna leave, but I'm um, I'm very glad he stayed. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's fun, isn't it? And and it's nice when these kind of things come off. I suppose is the the easy way to put it. And he felt like a gamble, and yet we're here at this point going, oh, great, let's do it, let's see what it looks like. And I think that that's it's a nice space for. Seattle to be in because I think you're right in that we're not looking at a team here who I think is the greatest version of this sound aside and it would be incredibly difficult for a team to become that immediately but the potential for growth feels like it's there in the Sounders and as we say about the rest of the conference feeling still relatively weak you'd bet your bottom dollar they'll be there or thereabouts and if these players explode then suddenly you're talking about a team that might well be at the sharp end of MLS Cup net alone the Western Conference. I believe that for this this Sounders team, the ceiling is as high as Pedro de la Vega and Raul Rudiaz can make it. But the floor is is nice and high as the league's best defense last year can keep it. And the the Golden Glove winner last year, and that is the least of my concerns, that defense. They they didn't lose anybody. And as long as they hold that, it's going to be very strong against teams like LAFC, who they're facing on that opening day. But LFC are very interesting because they spent, you know, most of the offseason in Carlos Vela purgatory. Yeah. It's no idea if he's coming back. It, it's, it's been a very weird amount of time. In, in that, I'm thankful that the Sounders dealt with Ladero so early. You know, he, he announced he was leaving. They were able to really move on from him and pick up De La Vega. It's, it's been a very interesting. They, LFC did almost nothing for the first, you know, month or two after MLS Cup. Yeah. Um, They've, they've, they've picked back up at Twista. They've picked up a couple of players who look like they will be good fits. Um, but I, I'm a little bit worried about how they're going to gel and if they can really you know, burst out of the gate early, which has really been what they do. Yeah, I mean, it's a, probably a similar case for LAFC. Now, there's probably less turnover, right? We're not talking about all of the, all of the players leaving in the certain ways. But I do think that obviously quite a lot of it now hangs on Tomas Angel, who's come in son of Juan Pablo, for those of you of a Villa persuasion, who now works obviously at the club. And he was part of Shivas's unit. So him, his son coming in and playing as their basically like their spiritual successor team is a, is a cool place to be, I think. But a lot rides on whether that transition works. And, and that's where I think the difference is between the East and the West, maybe, in that the top sides in the West feel like they're relying on a few things coming good, whereas I can't see the same level of kind of jeopardy for the top teams in the East. Absolutely. As long as you're not talking about near Miami, man, because a lot of people are very high on them. I, I'm I'm not in that camp. I, I think that the amount of time that you're going to see their four guys play together is very, very low. Mm. Just, you know, but we've seen it in preseason. We've seen it like it, they barely played together at all. And if, if that's what they're relying on, I don't you particularly believe in that squad around them. Julian Gressel aside, like we discussed. And it's very likely they're going to have to dump some of those quality players because, hilariously, the roster rules and regulations are not official yet for MLS with a week to go until the season. <laughs> um, but the, 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 rule, like the word is from around the league, some guys like Tom Bogart are reporting that like, he, t- he said another MLS official told them that Miami were screwed. Like, they're going to have to go dump players, and it's going to be very interesting to see you know, what they do with a week to go. Yeah, it's 
it's weird, isn't it? It's like one of those kind of strange things that no one knows the rules. And in some ways, that's adding to the chaos ahead of this in terms of what, what we know and what we don't. And that makes it hard to, you know, it hard to judge. But I'm with you. I, I think that obviously this Miami side are stacked, right? There's no, there's no doubt about that whatsoever. And I do really like the Gressel signing. I actually think that of all of them, that one feels like the most sensible move that they've made yet to add someone with not only the experience in the league, but as we kind of talked about at the top, that wand of a crossing foot, but also the the kind of nows to do various things and, and change the game in different ways that maybe wasn't utilized quite so much at Columbus, but it feels like Miami will come to rely on him maybe more than people are expecting right now. And yet this defense still worries me. I don't know how it's going to play out in terms of who can play. And as you say, there is a sense of how many times are we going to get them, you know, on a regular basis together. And and there are going to be injuries. This is the problem with hiring, you know, very, very talented, but also coming to the end of their career veterans is that we are starting to get to the point where those absences are going to become more and more common throughout the course of the season. Yeah, if those guys are going up to, you know, Montreal, how likely are they to play, like all four of those guys say, hey, yes, I really want to play this game in 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 Canada in, you know, August or whatever. Or I want to go to Dallas and play in the heat in June. Yeah. Like, I, and I'm, the, I'm and the Olympics, right? And the Olympics. And the Olympics. Messi goes off to the Olympics. It's going to be interesting. And the Copper America. There's there's loads of things going on here, right? It's going to be exciting, but it, it'll be, be very exciting. interesting. Yeah, absolutely. That, that Eastern Conference that we keep talking about, though, those two Ohio teams, they they scare me, man. They're going to be, both of them, I believe, are going to be very good. They'll be right at the top. Um, we, We've already talked about what both of them have done in this offseason, not only to you know add pieces, but to stay stable because they both had a fantastic 2020, 223, and to really stability is what's is the most difficult thing to find in MLS. It's a league built for parity. And so really, if you're able to maintain this model that's been successful, then you are really able to push that into the next year. And that's what's going to make you successful instead of signing a new star, a new star, a new star. Yeah, yeah, it's about cohesion as much as it is star power. And they might find that to their chagrin later down the line. Maybe it's just this PSG Galactiques moment. And then eventually they'll realize that, that doesn't really work and probably try to build a squad that has a little bit more cohesion with it as well. So we will see. We will see. Let's quickly touch on a couple of signings because I'm interested in your thoughts on these. Uh, Emil Forsberg has traded one Red Bull side for another. He's joined. New York Red Bulls. I like this, you know. I think that Forsberg yeah. is one of those really interesting players who, you know, as an RB Leipzig have plenty of detractors and that's fine and you, there are plenty of reasons to dislike them. But I do think that when you look at Forsberg and his way through with Leipzig, he was the first ever real, alongside Yusuf Paulson potentially, club legend, right? They didn't, they, yeah. And that's the thing with having a club that has no immediate history moving in there and be like wow i'm the actual first kind of person they might build a statue of that's an incredibly weird place to be when i'm still alive and still playing and now he makes the move over to new york i think that you know considering what we see saw from the red bulls towards the end of the season there is definitely potential in this team and a lightning rod player like forsberg as much as he might not play every game does mean that i think this team probably is on an upward trajectory 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think what's really interesting is is to see if Red Bull can draw fans because they've had a ton of issues with really getting people. They don't. They don't. Of course, actually play in New York. They play in Harrison at Red Bull Arena in at New a Jersey. Really cool um, little stadium, man. I really like. Yeah. I really like the arena in Harrison. It's loads of fun. But yeah, if if the, if he can get fans excited and if he can get people over there, like you know, like it was again, Red, like you know, Red Bull New York is not a team that has a ton of history. Mm. Their club legends are. Thierry Henry and Bradley Wright Phillips. Um, you know, Henry obviously came at the end of his career, but Bradley Wright Phillips is still, you know, he was with LAFC a few years ago. So yeah, still knocking around. Forsberg really has an opportunity to really push this team that it, it's been a model of consistency, you know, minus the past few years. They they rarely miss the playoffs. But yeah. if if they can take another step past that, is gonna be where it's really important. Yeah, absolutely. I think maybe my favorite signing is well i've got two one's peter musa to Dallas. now i watched a lot of him at boa vista before he got that big move to benfica they didn't hugely work out but i really like this from a fit perspective and from a i think this is a player who you know i said this about yakamakis before he joined last year i feel similarly about peter musa and, and obviously it, the question mark is whether dallas can surround him with you know talent that matches it but i think you look at where Jesus Ferreira's best seasons were, and they were playing with Ricardo Pepe in front of him as an out-and-out number nine that allowed Ferreira to, to drop back in and play as that kind of number 10 second striker role. And I think Peter Musa fits this bill to a T, especially if he can recreate that Boavista form. That's the last time he played, you know, 38 games in a season. It's the last time he played consistent regular football and he was brilliant, so much so that he forced that move through to Benfica. They, they thought, I don't even know if Benfica thought we need him. They just thought we can't have anyone else signing him and therefore he has to join. And it's been a bit stop-start since then. But with that move, I think there's a real scope for both Musa and Ferreira to explode again. Of course. And, you know, there, you know Ferreira, obviously, there's interest from abroad, but, you know, what he can do... We, we saw a little bit of it, you know, over the summer with the men's national team and whether they trust him or not. But Dallas have no issue producing talent. They've, they, they're a talent factory. Yeah. Uh, and I, I feel confident that they'll be able to, you know, find players. You, they might not be ones you've heard of, but there'll be players there that work very, very well with Peter Musa and with Jesus Ferreira and these guys that will, you know, Dallas is already a tough place to go play, especially because MLS plays those summer months. They have an outdoor stadium. It, it's it's a really, really difficult place to go play when it's hot out. Um, mm. And if this team can take advantage of that, and if they can make these West Coast road trips, if they, if they can get the points out of them that they need to, they, they can absolutely you know, be a force in that conference. There's no reason they can't. Yeah. The other one that I love is Hugo Kuypers to Chicago Fire. Now, Kuypers is someone I've been banging on about wanting Fulham to sign for the last sort of year and a half. <laughs> So seeing him make that jump, not to another, not to a major European league, but to MLS, I think is one great for the league, and two, I think the Fire have got a player here who I think is a wonderful forward, versatile, can play nine, can play ten, can play either wing as well, scores goals, is a nuisance in the box, does a little bit of everything, and you kind of combine that with the Kellen Acosta signing to stiffen up the middle of that midfield, and I think suddenly we're looking at a, a Fire team who are going from edge of playoff contention to potentially being top three, four contention. They, if this clicks, this could be a very, very good season for a franchise that has struggled over the last few years to find any sort of consistency. They, they need it. They need 
signings like these in order to get get something going. Like I'm 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 begging. I to, my, one of my favorite things is MLS offseason was uh, Chicago's social media game. They had this whole um like beef or beef, you know, in, in air quotes with uh, footy headlines who like leaks kits. <laughs> and they're like, oh, oh, you haven't leaked our, you haven't leaked our kid. But they, they had this whole thing, and they've got a very nice kit coming out, to be they honest. Do. And we'll they talk about that red. in a little bit. Return to red, but um, it really making these signings, leagues, you know, my like the three things you look for, like league experienced, uh, that you know, able to produce immediately for a team like this, and they'll get fans there. Like obviously, I believe. Get, people know who Kellen Acosta are and they will know who Hugo Cupers is. They will soon anyway. Absolutely no doubt about that. I really, really like him. I think that's a, a massive pickup for MLS and I think it's an even bigger one for the fire because he really can do a little bit of everything and I think he's going to score a ton of goals uh, in Chicago, especially with Shakiri knocking around behind him. That's going to be that's going to be fun to see as well. So lots of lots of fun and lots of nice things for Chicago fans. I wish nothing but the best of fire fans now and they've struggled for so long honestly. Chicago fans good. in general man it's tough. Yeah, it's not it's not been great. So um I hope that those two work out. You mentioned it there. We're going to finish this with a little bit of a chat on the kits because they are all now officially released and there are some really fun ones, some less fun ones. Should we start with what you don't like and then we'll work through a top 3? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think this has been a very, very successful year for jerseys with Adidas. The issue has been, you know, and these are like kind of the ones that I don't like are the ones that just look like a template. Um, there's always this whole deal, whether you like it or not, with, you know, the whole league being franchised and therefore Adidas gets all the deals for the jerseys. Mm. Um, but for too long, it was, oh, look, it's a Seattle jersey and then it's a Seattle jersey in red and then it's a Seattle jersey in yellow. And it it just yeah. it's not cool to look at, but they've really really embraced identity. I think this year, um, and you know, taking some chances. However, I, I'm not a fan of Nashville's kit. Just yeah. the the blue stripe. It, it doesn't, doesn't do it for quite me do it for me. No, I'm I'm completely um, with you on this one. This one this one feels weird. I don't know why. It just feels weird. Yeah, and I mean, you know, yellow is obviously a very strong identity to have, and they'll have that black jersey. Yeah, well, this is um, it. I, I think in my head, still. Nashville's colors are yellow and black because of those black jerseys and the success they've had. But I know that that's not correct. I'm, I'm, I'm well aware that this is just me. But equally, then when they have a blue accent on the home jersey, I'm like, hang on, that's wrong. It feels off. I, and maybe that's just the, the sense of it. But because the black jerseys became quite iconic as the away, and because, I don't know, maybe I'm conditioned to think that the team's home and away kit should be color and accent color. but when I then see the blue on it, it just, I don't know, it sends me a bit funny. It's like a reverse Boca Juniors almost. Exactly. It's, it's very interesting. Um, I, I'm not a f- huge fan of Columbus. It looks like a Charlie Brown shirt, which <laughs> see, is what people have been saying. This is my favorite. I actually really like this it's, kit. It's your favorite. Wow, I, I, okay. I, love the, I love the chevrons going on here in the middle. And I also really right. like, and this is a weird one, I really like the way that the sponsor kicks against the black. And actually, I I, this is such a, a weird thing, but sometimes you get shirts, and I'll, I'll use Fulham as an example because it's obviously the team I know best. But for a year, Fulham had white shirts, black collars, black accents, and then a Visit Florida logo, which was <laughs> blue. And it like, yeah, like a pale was, yeah. blue. And I was like, well, that doesn't look right. Like if the logo was black, even if they just you know made the logo black, I'd have been like, okay, fine, that makes sense. But when it was blue, it really freaked me out. And I think that the white on the black band 
looks really nice from a Columbus perspective and then matches the white in the in the crest. I don't know. I, I really like this jersey. I, I fair enough. Um and then yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit about, you know, Miami so far, but they're they're it's just very off putting how big their sponsor and how big their badge is in the middle of that jersey. <laughs> yeah. Um and I, I don't know, it just rubs me the wrong way, man. I've got a thing about this, and Adi- I love Adidas right there. I think they're when I get Adidas kits, I feel very happy. I don't like Adidas central logos. I think that that feels like a really Nike thing, and I know Puma do it a little bit as well. But I think Nike killed it with obviously those jerseys in like the 2002 World Cup, and I was like, oh, central yeah. logos, Nike thing. And now when I see Adidas do it, it makes me feel a bit funny. So I actually completely agree with you on this. And you're not seeing it a ton of other places in the league. LAFC did it last year, but it it, and I I was okay with that jersey. It's just not it's not my favorite, man. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's do a let's let's go to the let's go to the good stuff. What have you got? Is a three, two, one. It's been so this year. There's a lot of teams hitting anniversaries. Obviously, MS has only been around for thirty ish years, um, but a lot of these teams have been around longer, um, or shorter. Orlando, for example, is celebrating their ten year anniversary as a club. The legacy kit. Yeah, legacy kit. Um, but it's they've so got very, hard to get. Got... It's so hard to get the Orlando jersey wrong, man. Like the purple is so yeah. iconic. But I really like the away. I really like the the white with the yellow and purple, uh, the orange and purple. I think it's like I think it's class. Really pop. And that new badge that they've done too yeah. is 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 great. They killed it. Um, yeah. I'm very happy that Nicholas Adair will be in that kit if he's got to be anywhere, man. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a really really cool jersey. I'm 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 pleased with what, what Orlando have done because. Because the home kit's so iconic and there's so few teams that wear purple that it felt like trying to get the secondary kit right was quite difficult. And yet this like what orange and the orange and purple accents on the white just really pop. And as you say, match the badge. But yeah, I think it's I think it's a dreamy kit. Yeah, there's there's like like you said, very few teams that play in purple. The only other, you know, team that I can think of is um the Washington Huskies up north of their, their college. Um they've they've got some really nice like purple and gold like royalty um mm-hmm. they just went to like the college football national championship um but even those like yeah i didn't i, I wasn't the, the biggest fan of what they did with their white but you know what orlando has done with that away strip is 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 fantastic um yeah, and then you know another team that's celebrating an anniversary is is our the seattle sounders their 50th anniversary obviously the club in 1974 and they've done there was there was some leaks of this there was obviously the whole uh ea FC leak, um, and I was very concerned. that whole I'm, thing. <laughs> oh, it, it, but I'm very happy with the way this turned out. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm biased, but I'm, I'm also very happy with the way the social team has handled this. Um, they, they, I think they killed it. They're, some of their shoots have been just fantastic. There's some Brian Schmetzer, the head coach, has he, he played for the team in the '70s. They've got some great like match cut shots, and they've got all these guys in what they're calling like the anniversary kit. Um. And they really it's gone really bold, what... man. Like yeah. blue and green together on a kit sounds like a recipe for disaster, but I think they've done a really nice job on this. I agree. Like, the shorts are really what does it for me. Like, I the the shirt. I, I, yes, I'm 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 cool with it. I, the pinstripes are very interesting. They've never really done something like that in their MLS era. But the the the, the light blue shorts are not something they've really done since this like. I think it was called like Pacific Blue Jersey they did in the 2010s, which, which was great, but it, it was a blue shirt and they have never done it with a uh, green shirt that I can remember. 
Yeah, absolutely. There we go. Unless unless you've got any more. I would like to shout out Cincinnati, that white shirt. I'm I'm a sucker for white shirts, man. I think they're calling yeah, it like again, the can- strong accents, isn't it? And look, I like this because the, again, the sponsor's in the right color. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And and yeah, so I, I think it's gonna be really cool and you know. Really what matters is whether you play well in the jersey, right? The jerseys that are going to be remembered are the ones that you have a good season in. That's what changes jerseys from good to iconic. If you have a good season in a good jersey, they become part of club folklore. If you have a bad season in a good jersey, you may as well forget it. And if you have a bad season in a bad jersey, everyone's going to kick off. So that's the, uh, that's the way it works, huh? Yeah, we got to go see how it goes, right? This, uh, this Sunday and Saturday, man. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Anything you're looking forward to in particular on the opening weekend before we, we call this a day? Because there's some really fun matchups to, to get this underway, I think. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's the featured one. It, it's Seattle LAFC. I'll be texting Dean all weekend, man. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it, it's going to be a very, very interesting barometer to see where both of those teams are, who's starting, who like whether they can integrate those new signings quickly enough, whether their big goal scorers will be able to boost them. And, you know, it's a game in L.A. in February, August, uh, March. So it's going to be a really, really exciting one to go see. Yeah, I think there's some some real tasty openers. Uh, Crew versus Atlanta, I think, will give us a nice steer on That'll where those two are after the, after the offseason. As you say, LFC Sounders jumps out. I think that Philadelphia Union-Chicago Fire game is going to be very interesting as well. Just to kind of see how quickly this Chicago side can kind of transmute, if you will, into anyone that could challenge because the union have been there and thereabouts for you know, the last couple of years. Yeah, and, and they will be and again. They, they're not going to, yeah, they will be again, right? That's it. That's, that's where they're going to be. So to see how this new look fire side gets on against them, super interested, super interested. Um, and with that, I think it's probably time for us to call it a day. So all there's left for me to do is say a massive thank you to our chief MLS correspondent, and one of our favorite people on the planet, Mr. Owen Murray. Thank you so much for being back on Ranks, man. We love having you on here. Oh, anytime you need, man. It's a real pleasure. A real pleasure, Owen. Um, thank you so much for listening to this MLS preview. We thought we'd just rattle through a few of the storylines you need to know ahead of the opening week. My name has been Jack Collins. This has been Ranks FC. We'll be back on Wednesday with a main episode on Thursday with a Champions League takeaway as well. Busy week here on Ranks FC. We hope you're going to stick with us through all of it. We'll see you very soon, gang. Take it easy. Peace. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. (laughs) Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, 
Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks. 